Several times in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts a teaching with the phrase, You have heard it said. He then goes on to state something that all good religious folk knew to be true. Or was it? Without hesitation, Jesus redirects the entire teaching with these words, But I say to you. He then goes on to teach them something different, which completely changes their understanding of what they previously thought to be true. Surprisingly, but unquestionably, we live in similar circumstances today. Much common knowledge we all take for granted begins with the phrase, everybody knows. Quite literally, we have heard it said for so long, we do not recognize thoughts or ideas that contradict the wisdom of God and lead us away from authentic life in Jesus Christ. Sadly, this same worldly wisdom has also infected a great deal of church teaching as well. In this podcast, the Reverend Elizabeth Moreau explores a different piece of conventional wisdom, examines what is true from a Christian point of view, and exposes how widely held common knowledge can lead us away from God. Welcome to the You Have Heard It Said podcast. Well, it is good to be with you today. Welcome back. This is Elizabeth Moreau, as uh, was just introduced. The topic for today is you have heard it said that we should keep our religion private. We should keep our religion private. Keep it to yourself. Don't talk about it. Now, that's a central tenet of culture in America today, and that you don't talk about your religion ever. You're not, um, I'm not sure who said it first. It's been kind of building over centuries. And, um, but it's one of those things that everybody knows. It, is, it permeates all of society. And, we, we, and I'm not saying that we don't see lots of personal expressions of religion, um, of faith or whatever, like on bumper stickers or on T-shirts or whatever. I mean, really, do you want your whole, uh, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, do you really want to reduce that to, to a T-shirt or a bumper sticker? Do you want to set, reduce the salvation of the world to what, what you're wearing across your chest? Is that really sufficient? I call those theological burps. I mean, they're not even like, um, a lot of them are, new, are, are so superficial or so, um, what do I want to say, I don't know. I just think they're so silly. A lot of them are. I call them theological burps and, and this, this notion of a bumper sticker. The salvation of the world is reduced to a bumper sticker. There you go. But before we get started on the idea, let's open with a word of prayer because, you know, we always need prayer um, to understand anything. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. We ask that you open our hearts and our minds to the knowledge and love of you in Jesus Christ. Grant that we may receive your Holy Spirit for the healing of our souls. Illumine our thoughts and enliven our hearts. Teach us in this time so that we may know you in your Son, Jesus Christ, and live. These things we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so the basic discussion here is that we need to keep our religion to ourselves. And that idea has, over time, grown into law in our society today. Uh, we, we, Christians are not supposed to impose our beliefs on others. We are not supposed to offend people of other faiths. And, you're not, and you, you, they don't want us to admit that we are Christian or that it plays any roles in our decision-making or anything like that. We, um, you can see that in things like you can't have a major scene at Christmas or you can't have prayer in school. That might like corrupt somebody, prayer in school. 
you know, and uh, uh, you can't say Merry Christmas. I always think this is really entertaining. We get all upset over, you can't say Merry Christmas, but you should say Happy Holidays. And so you have all these politically correct people saying Happy Holidays to everybody. And we go, where do you think the word holidays came from? Where? I mean, just think about that for a second. It is a modernized version of saying Holy Days. We've, we've collapsed into one word and call it holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holy days. That's even better than Merry Christmas. I got to tell you, happy holy days. I love it. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe if you're, I don't know if, if you're like me, there are times when I'm feeling kind of embarrassed. I'm like, I'm kind of embarrassed. I'm talking about my faith as if it's real because like if Jesus isn't real. You know, am I really going to pretend that Jesus is not real or I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say something? Because you know, we're not supposed to talk about it. It's kind of embarrassing to go, well, really, actually, I do believe all of that. You know, that Jesus does play a role as my personal Savior. And I do talk to him in the morning. I do pray to him all the time and ask him things and everything. Do y'all remember when George Bush talked about um, praying? George W. W. Bush was talking about praying, right? And and all these people were up in arms. Oh, my gosh, he's going to force Christianity on everybody. He's going to require everybody to be Christian. He's forcing, you know, his religious beliefs on people that don't want him and blah, 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 blah. He said he prayed. He said he was a praying man, right? And so people were like, oh, no, the report's on it. He's going to let God make all the decisions for our nation, and God, his God is going to be deciding what we're going to be doing. And I'd point out to all y'all that um, if our God were making all the decisions, he'd have done a better job than we've done. Uh, certainly a lot better job than those journalists did. But anyway, uh, you know, the reporting on that was really absurd. And it showed no understanding whatsoever of prayer or no understanding of the relationship between human behavior and God, human response to prayer. And stuff like going, well, that's an indictment of us that they don't know what it is. And um, Christians were unable really to defend that very well because we don't know much better. All right. <laughs> right now. I have to tell y'all, I am very tired. As long as we're talking about imposing beliefs, I am very tired of all the crazy and indefensible beliefs that are being forced on me, right? I don't like those. There is a ton of complete irrationality in our society society today, and a lot of it's called knowledge, and it's false knowledge. It's not real. It's not based on anything. You know, there are policies and there are principles that are being enacted. Principles. I don't know how you call these things principles, but anyway, uh, they're based on untrue ideas, or they're based on no ideas. Uh, they're based on untried ideas, I guess I should say. We have principles based on untried ideas. And uh, worse, <laughs> we're trying again ideas that have proven to be false, proven to be dangerous, proven to be wrong. Let's go with communism yet one more time and see if it'll work this time, right? Okay, to try to locate where we are for this conversation, I want to talk about um, Charles Taylor. Charles Taylor is a brilliant man, and he wrote a book, uh, a 900-page tome to be precise, entitled A Secular Age. And that is one of the most impressive um, books I have read in a long time. And I admit to you that I have not read all of it. I have read sections of it because 900 pages is a lot to read, right? Anyway, he divides... Um, he divides the history of Christianity or, or, or the rise of secularism or whatever. He divides that into three different times, three different epochs. I always pronounce that epochs. Apparently the correct pronunciation is epoch. But anyway, three different epochs of time. Uh, there were the medieval times, post-Roman Empire, post-pagan religion. And during that time, everything was sacred. Everything was religious. Secular was a reference to work outside of the church. So if you were a baker or if you were a mason or a builder of some sort, you know, then you would be, um, you, would be you would have a secular job outside the church. But the sacred was everywhere. The human beings were sacred. And the work that they did, their investment in their work was sacred, even if the work was secular work. 
All right, that was the first first period of secularity, post Roman Empire, um, post pagan religion, and then you have the rise of modernity with science and the age of reason, and we have all this reason that is so powerful and so rich, and it's pushed the divine to the margins of society. All right, and we're going to keep it along the edges of society, and we're going to have our faith, and we're going to live with like reasonable people, scientific people, and trust in all the science and all the reason and all the logic and everything like that. And we're going to have faith on Sunday mornings and believe in Jesus when we die. Now, I have to tell you that I think most church leadership in the world today and in the West today um, is operating, most of the church leadership is operating out of this sort of uh, secular stage, this sort of secular epoch, this time period in which we are trying to make sure that we maintain a little bit of relevance to the society around us, right? And the third epoch of time that he defines, and I'll tell you that I think that most religious leaders are delusional based on what Charles Taylor so clearly makes, you know, uh, uh, elucidates on, elucidates for us. Anyway, um, he talks about that society itself has capitulated entirely to secularity, it is one-dimensional, one-dimensional, so to speak. There's no sense of the divine. There is no sense of recognition or acknowledgement of the of a transcendence God. There's no awareness or anything of an existence or spiritual world, right? And um, instead, there is only the physical world, the material world around us, and we have to find meaning there in however manner we can do it. And um, I think that is correct. If you look around us, that is certainly true. There's no sense in, all, in which people recognize Christ at all. And this is what makes it kind of embarrassing when we go, oh, I'm kind of embarrassed to talk about Jesus because they look at you like you're a lunatic the way they looked at George W. Bush. Oh, he's a lunatic. He believes in Jesus. And he prays, oh, my God, he's going to force us. Oh, whatever. But um, the truth of the matter is that um, the, the third period was very like the time period into which Jesus was born. Isn't that interesting? Very like the time period into which Jesus was born in the ancient Roman Empire. Anyway, we live now in this third period, and we've been told that we're not supposed to talk about our faith, and that and we've, and it's, we've, it's been said that we need to remove all discussions of God from school. We can't pray in school. You can't talk about God in school. We've, they've taught us that we are monkeys, and so we act like monkeys a lot of times. Uh, you know, you get, you get my point. This is the world we live in now, right? And look at the fruits of our godlessness. It is so rich, right? We have, there's been the uh, intentional fomenting of division and conflict among us, uh, uh, we, human purpose is gone. Human majesty is gone. We've been reduced to glorified animals, and we act like glorified animals. The only thing that's important is the freedom to have sex with whoever or whatever we want, whenever we want, right? We can get rid of our babies through abortions. We can legalize infanticide. We don't even have to own up to our children when we have them. We can let, you know, if, if you're a guy, you can just, like, indiscriminately populate the, 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 the your high school class and keep on going or... Whatever. You know, we've cultivated hatred and distrust between the races. There's tremendous hypocrisy and manipulation going on in political classes. And I'm not even talking among the politicals. I'm not talking about either party. I'm talking about both parties. Although I don't consider both parties equal. I don't consider either admirable or particularly respectable. This is the outcome that is so superior to religious faith in general. This is the outcome that is so better than, so much better than Christian faith in particular. Really? You know, this is what we have. The world we live in. Congratulations, we're secular. Let's stop for a moment and take a break, and I'll return in a moment. Elizabeth will be back in just a moment. 
If you have questions or comments about this or a previous podcast, please send her an email. Her email address is elizabeth at servantsfeast.org. We're back now to You Have Heard It Said with the Reverend Elizabeth Moreau. All righty then, we are back now. And our topic today is, um, we, you have heard it said that you should keep your religion to yourself. You should keep your religion private, right? And um, in American life has now become everything that Scripture has told us that it would be, we would become, human beings would become without God. Uh, we are a lost people. We are in deep conflict with one another. We are unhappy. Uh, we are angry. This is such an angry society, distrustful. We are alienated from one another. Um, we do not, well, there's no cohesion in our society. We're broken. We have all these victims who blame one another for everything. Um, and, and, you know, that's kind of true across the board. That's even true inside Christian faith as well. There are lots of people who believe and who say they have faith and, and they're trying to make their way as, as a Christian, and yet they buy into this whole um, uh, ethos of, the, of, of a secular world without God, these whole ideas. And here's the thing about it. Christianity has everything to offer. Everything is going for Christianity. It is. It is like the, the. It carries the day. If you could weigh out what one teaches versus what the what any any other any other thought system out there, any other teaching out there, any other um, religion, any other ideas out there, any other science, you know, Christianity has everything going for it. It reflects the God who is revealed in Jesus Christ with all of His extravagant claims and all of His amazing promises to us. It came that you might have life and have it abundantly. That alone is a huge promise. And um, it's not abundant life to be angry and afraid and, and, and jealous and, guilt and guilty all the time. None of these things are, are shamed for whatever. You know, this, this doesn't create a happy, this doesn't create a, an abundant life, this sort of thing. Um, it just doesn't. And, um, you know, we have all these, Christianity, Christianity produced more good and has done more good than anybody even begins to, to acknowledge in, in today's society, for the most part. Did you know that, like, science grew out of Christianity? Well, of course you knew that, because that's what I talked about in the last podcast, right? Do you know, for example, that universities got their start in Christianity? Well, probably, because I talked about that in the last podcast. I've also talked about that. Then there is the origins of healthcare and hospitals. Do you know where that came from? That came from the Christians as well. Christians are the one who started hospitals, right? You know, um, you could go on and on. Christianity started a whole bunch. Like, you know... Just like the Lord of, of Christian faith, Jesus Christ, uh, Christianity has taken a lot of abuse from a lot of people over the years and over the centuries, and they don't know what they're talking about great, in, in large degree, and, um, and they lack their own vaunted opinions of themselves without any real substance of meaning or meaning to offer to anybody else. They, they're so certain in their knowledge that they can't understand anything or understand how diminished life is in them I mean, or, or what they're proposing. Or else they want to pretend that they're totally satisfied with that. David Bentley Hart, you know I think he's brilliant, wrote in Atheist Delusions, which is a great book. I highly recommend it. Uh, there's a section of book that he calls The Mythology of the Secular Age. And he's not talking about what that Charles Taylor's ideas are myth. No, he's talking about the, the, the mythology of secular age and its superiority. That's the myth, is that secular age is superior to a religious age. I mean, it's completely bogus. And he, um, he, he has a chapter entitled... Uh, an age of darkness, and in the darkness to which he is referring is secularity, right? He, and he, had, I admit, he is dripping with sarcasm in the quote that I'm about to read you, but it is a great quote because I want you to hear what he says. He says, "My purpose in these pages is not." 
to argue that Christianity is essentially a benign historical phenomenon that need not be feared because it is compatible with or was necessary preparation for the modern world and its most cherished values. Christianity has been the single most creative cultural, ethical, aesthetic, social, political, or spiritual force in the history of the West, to be sure. But it has also been a profoundly destructive force, and one should perhaps praise it as much for the latter attribute as the former, for there are many things worthy of destruction. I love that. I love that so much, I'm going to make you listen to it again, because I think it's so right. How many of us are aware of all of this that he just says? My purpose in these pages is not to argue that Christianity is essentially a benign historical phenomenon that need not be feared because it is compatible with or necessary preparation for the modern world and its most cherished values. Christianity has been the single most creative cultural, ethical, aesthetic, social, political, or spiritual force in the history of the West, to be sure. But it has also been a profoundly destructive force. And one should perhaps praise it as much for the latter attribute as for the former. For there are many things worthy of destruction. I think that's important for us to hear as Christians, you know, because we are so secular in our thought. You know, uh, the, I, I read an article recently the other day, and it was about when we get sick and we... Um, call an ambulance, and we call the doctor, we go to the hospital, we go to the emergency room, and then we call all of our friends and the pastor and say, you know, pray for me. That is a secular mindset. Why didn't we talk to God first? I'm not saying that we shouldn't use hospitals. I'm not saying we shouldn't use doctors. Of course we should, right? But the culture doesn't want the Christian God, and Christians themselves don't have much use for him either because we always think that we should go the secular route first. Let's run to the hospital and let's run, you know, get all the medicines, and then let's talk to God about it. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves. I mean, you know, the author of the universe does not know what is wrong with you. I'm not saying that we shouldn't use science. I'm not saying we shouldn't use medicine. Of course we should. I do that all the time. But those are not greater than God. Those are not wiser or more insightful or more understanding than, than our God, right? We ought to be ashamed. At the same time, I also agree with his final sentiment in that, that there are many things that are worthy of destruction, the prevailing mindset in our society today uh, that all opinions are equal, except, of course, the Christian opinion, right? Um, that we have to respect. That, that's the prevailing mindset. We have to respect everybody else's opinion, and um, uh, uh, we need to be, uh, you know, treat all views as being equal, and everybody, everybody's ideas are the same, blah, 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 blah. Well, quite obviously, some views are very harmful. Some are even evil. And we continue to perpetuate those because, you know, you don't want to say anything to hurt anybody's feelings. Like, talk about Jesus, for example. That might be awful. And then you sound, like, ridiculous because you believe in Jesus. I recently ordered a book, and I haven't read, read, read it. I recently ordered a book, and I haven't started reading it. I need to make up my mind what I'm saying. Um, but anyway, um, it is written by um, Stephen Meyer, and it's, in it's entitled The Return of the God Hypothesis. The Return of the God Hypothesis, right? Um I heard him in an interview, and I thought, oh, that is fascinating. I need to read that. I've, I've got some other books by him. He's written um, Darwin's Doubt and Signature in a Cell. He, uh, Stephen Myers has his Ph.D. from the philosophy, in philosophy of Science from Cambridge University in England. That is not exactly a renowned um, bastion of evangelical thought. But anyway, that's where he, that's where he got his Ph.D. and in philosophy of science, right? 
And uh, he doesn't deny science at all, far from it. I mean, he totally doesn't deny science. He, uh, instead, he takes the discoveries of science to their logical conclusion. It is quite obviously apparent, for example, that, you know, things didn't just happen. These just, that everything just didn't fall into place just this way. It didn't just sort of occur like this. You know, the earlier books, Darwin's Doubt, that's the one that I have. It's very good. Um, but And he has Signature in a Cell. I will tell you, he's a smart man, and there's a lot about science I don't know. But at, um, anyway, his point is accurate, though, that all these things point toward intelligent design. Uh, in the book, The Return of the God Hypothesis, he has three things that he names that, um, uh, three main points that argue almost, that it's unavoidably, that unavoidably point toward intelligent design. And he doesn't even call it intelligent design anymore. It's a God hypothesis. I believe there's a God who created all this because it doesn't make sense. It's not possible any other way. Right? You know, it is, um, you know, Meyer's not alone in his claims in, in terms of all of this. I mean, he is a scientist, but there are other amazing and brilliant scientists who have drawn similar conclusions. Do you hear about those? No, you do not. Because why? That's not what they want us to hear. And it is the nature of human pride that we do not want to see. There's a great many intellectuals out there who just refuse to think about um, the possibility that they're wrong, which just goes to show that they're as human as all the rest of us. You know, this is, this is very like, uh, I want to return to the um, Charles Taylor's book, A Secular Age. The time that we're in right now is very like Jesus' time. Um, you know, and our intellectuals may not be um, interested in the gospel, but what our intellectuals have done with all this reason and all this um, science and all this, they've left us with nothing to hold on to. And we are subject to being human with no understanding of humanity in any depth or any or any beauty or anything worthy of the image of God. And our, so our intellectuals may not be interested, but the attitudes, the ideas, the ethos of this time um, has created a great opportunity for spreading the good news. People are desperate for it, and they don't even know that they are. This is into, It's the same culture that Jesus was born into in, in ancient Rome. Right? I was talking about this before. Oh, we've advanced so far. We're exactly like the first century again. There you go. Um, we need to understand that like the ideas that we have now um, are not as advanced. The ideas that drive knowledge, our knowledge may be advanced, but our ideas, our wisdom are not advanced at all. And um, we need to... We need to understand that the gospel still is the gospel for this world and that the fields are ripe for harvest. The greatest problem is when Christians buy into this mindset and we become a little bit embarrassed to talk about Jesus. You know? Jesus, the, 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 Jesus Christ and Christianity are far greater and far more superior to anything else that's offered in the world today. There's nothing like it. Nothing like the gospel. You know, they're not, religions are not the same. Science is, is born of Christianity. Everything, each Christian needs to understand and recover, you know, the fullness of the gospel. And we have nothing to be ashamed of. People around us need to hear it. It's like withholding medicine from the sick. We're calling sick people healthy um, and pretending that there's nothing wrong. Too often Christians see the world in the exact same way that everybody else does. It's like cancer of secularity is eating at us. We just all accept that we need to just die of that. There you go. But Christians, you know, get to meet Jesus when we die. Well, that's complete hogwash. I'm not saying we don't get to meet Jesus when we die, but you ought to have met him now. How do you know you're going to meet him then if you don't meet him now? That's what he tells us. You know, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life begins when you begin to know God. We know Jesus. 
We should never accept the premises of secular or atheistic intellectuals in our society. We should never do that. It's utterly destructive, and it's proven to be so over and over again. At the same time, I would suggest that Christians probably have a great deal that we need to learn ourselves. Remember I talked about church leaders still think that we are like on the margins. We're just trying to make sure that we're relevant to our society today. You're not. You're irrelevant. We're completely irrelevant. And that you don't know that tells you how deluded you are. But I know that. I know that we're irrelevant. Right? You don't ever hear the news people say, hey, you wonder what the Christians think about this? Nothing. They don't care what the Christians think about that. Secular life is easy for us too. Did you know that? We get to float along. We get to keep in our own opinions. We don't have to worry about the loss. We don't have to evangelize. We get to fit in with everyone and never create any problems. We don't want to upset anybody. We enjoy all the privileges of capitalism. We have the security of heaven when we die. And that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what is left behind when we keep religion private. When we adopt a secular mind and a secular life, and the pretense of Christianity is a thin veneer on top of it. You know, a great many of us don't really want to know that much about Christianity. The other day I got an email from a friend, and it had all this information about um, what the apostles had done following Jesus' death, following the book of Acts. And he said, is this, is this true? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm not going to go through each one of them. I'll show you what information I have on that. And I'll send him some, some stuff that I'd written on that for a retreat. And he sent him, he's like, this is fascinating. I knew none of this. Why do we, know, why do we not know our history? We don't, we don't know much about Christianity at all. And therefore, we do say a great many things that are very off-putting. In some cases, some of the things we say as Christians are not even true, you know? But if Christians are left to our own devices to learn the content of the faith because preachers and church leaders um, are too secular themselves, then, then a lot of times Christians are going to come up with utter nonsense, and they're going to teach and believe crazy things and sound awful to the world around them. That's not really a good witness either when you say things that are stupid. This is, this is why I'm doing these, these podcasts. My point overall with the podcast is that we le- need to learn how big is our God, and we need to learn how little is the current intellectual milieu in which we live. Most of all, we need to learn the, more about Christianity toward the goal of knowing God. That's what the goal is. That's the goal of Christian life and faith is to know God. You know, if you know the God who's revealed in Jesus Christ, if God is in life, alive in you by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, right, there is life. I'm not arguing over biblical interpretation. We are seeking to know God, Right, The author of the universe who called everything into being, all that is and seen and unseen. The God in whom we live and move and have our being. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. That's what we're trying to pursue. That's what we want to know. That's the goal of Christianity. Right? We want that life. You know, I can go on and on. You can catch my drift. All right? The basis of all hope that we have, of all purpose, all meaning, all love, all wisdom, is found in Jesus Christ. And we can't keep that to ourselves. That's a shame. For shame on us when we do. We shouldn't even try to keep that private. The only people who don't want to hear about God are people who enjoy playing God. And that includes you and me. i got to tell you, sometimes I like to play God. I want it all my way. I like to be, I'm always telling God what I think ought to be done. You know, and he, he just laughs because I'm, I'm, you know, doesn't keep me from being hard-headed and, and wanting my way. You know, we need to give up this, this reductionist life. We need a, this, this is a pointless materialism going nowhere and doing nothing. We need to pursue that which is worthy of the human creature, the image of God on earth. God's stewards, you know, God's, God's little governors, caretakers of the universe, the world around us. 
We need to seek God for the life that is in him. Not because of something we're going to get from him. Because he gives us everything. He does promise to give us the desires of our hearts. But that's only when we desire him first. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God first. Isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew? All these things will be given to you later, afterwards. Seek God first. Well, you know, now I've gone on to preaching and teaching. Instead of teaching, I guess I should say. You get me wound up, I could go on for long, for hours on all this. But um, I want you to think about that. Keep your religion private. The only reason to keep your religion private is if it's small and not important. If it matters to you, then it ought to matter to everybody else. If it's good news for you, it ought to be good news for everybody else. If it's the salvation of the world, if it's your salvation, it's also the salvation of the world. I'm going to wrap it up here. I haven't decided what I'm going to talk about next. I'm thinking about maybe talking about the meaning of freedom, but I wouldn't swear to that. What it means to be free, I'm not sure that I'm going to talk about that, but I'm thinking about it. Let's close with a word of prayer. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. I ask you, O God, to call your people to lift our eyes to you, that we may see your glory. Send your Holy Spirit to walk with us, to guide our steps, and to remind us throughout each day of your infinite wisdom, as well as the safety we find in the shelter of your love. These things we pray in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, think on these things. Y'all be blessed now. You hear? You have just heard the latest You Have Heard It Said podcast with Elizabeth Moreau. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or whatever service you might use. Please rate, review, and share this podcast with others. Be sure to look us up on Facebook and like and share this podcast with your friends. And while you're at it, if you appreciate this ministry, please consider making a donation to Servants Fees Christian Ministry through our website. Join us next time as Elizabeth explores and exposes yet another piece of conventional wisdom with the truth of Christ.